Hi, my name is Jana Metzger. Welcome to the Gospel House. Our mission here at the Gospel House is to show the world that the gospel of Jesus Christ is enough. That in the gospel, we can find all of our deepest needs met as the entire church responds to and applies the implications of the gospel. We would love to show it with you. Check out our website, www.thegospel.house, where you can learn more about us, find out how to connect with us, ask questions, see when and where our next meeting is, and give to help advance the gospel message of Jesus Christ. So Jeremy's not here. He asked me to speak today. So I want to talk about when the storm hits. So those songs today, actually, the worship was amazing. They were very fitting. When the storm hits. You know, it seems like wherever we look, there's, there's bad things happening. There's, there's evil all around us. Um, I mean, there's war. Uh, but just, just personally, uh, you know, a few years ago, I, I, I went through, you know, with my first wife passing. Um, I remember my brother and sister-in-law, they lost their nephew suddenly. Um, my uncle, he just, he lost his wife a, a, just a month ago suddenly. Um, we have some friends in um, Columbus. They lost their son a few years ago. It seems like, it, and that's just not death. I mean, you can be going through a divorce. I mean, you got financial difficulties. <coughs> You're in between jobs. <coughs> it, it just seems like it, it just the list goes on of things that are that are happening. So today, I want to look at four different questions. I want to take a look at why do bad things happen to good people, or why do bad things happen? Period. I want to take a look at why does God allow suffering? Why does he allow it to continue? And I think most importantly, what should our response be when we go through a storm, when we go through a difficult time in our life? So first, why do bad things happen to good people? And and actually, truly, there's really no one good. Uh, The Bible is clear about that. We've, We've all fallen short. But that question's asked a lot. You hear it a lot. And unfortunately, it kind of keeps a lot of folks from coming to know him. They're, they're spending a lot of time trying to figure that out. But there are good people, seemingly. They live moral. Uh, they appear to be following the Lord. And, and they are, but they just go through the ringer. Things happen. And then there's others. They don't live for the Lord. They struggle. But yet they seem to flourish. So why does, why, does, why does God allow that? But three points first before we answer it. First, God does not show his pleasure with us through good circumstances, right? Uh, just because your life is going good, it doesn't mean that he's pleased with your behavior. I think a lot of folks fall into this trap because we take our interactions with others and we kind of pro- project it onto the Lord. Uh, there's this rule that if you treat me good, I'll treat you good. If you treat me bad, I'll treat you bad. Uh, typically, if someone's happy with you, they're, they're nice to you. And if they're, they're upset with you, you know, they actually, they're, they're mean to you, right? So kind of normal to think, well, things are going bad in our life, that God is, is mad with us. And if we're, they're going well, then he's pleased with us. But throughout Scripture, that's, that's just not true. Let's take a look at uh, Matthew 5. 43 through 48. I'll read that. It says, You have heard that it was said you should love your neighbors and hate your enemy. 
But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you in order that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax gatherers do the same? And if you greet your brothers only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So we can see that it's a mistake to assume that if God is giving something good to us, that he's happy with this. It says that the sun rises on the just and the unjust, righteous and the unrighteous. But sometimes I think we're asking the wrong question. We ask, you know, why is this happening? Why am I suffering here? Why, you know, why am I going through this? And sometimes I think that we should be asking, well, well, I probably should have been done a long time ago. I mean, if you think about it, we all are doing better than we deserve. I heard a sermon once, and the guy said, if somebody asks you, how are you doing? You say, oh, better than I deserve. And, and the truth is, we are. We're, no matter what situation we're in, we're doing better than, than we deserve. And this, secondly, on the flip side of that, when bad things are happening or when we are suffering, it's not a sign that he's not pleased with us. Or for sick, it's not always a sign that we have, we have sin in our life. I mean, I suppose we could. I mean, it definitely that, that happens, but not always. John 9, 1 through 3 says, And as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he should be born blind? And Jesus answered and said, It was neither that man sin or his parents sin, but it was in order that the works of God might be displayed in him. The, you see, they're trying to figure out, well, well, why is he blind? Did he sin or his parents sin? And he's, Jesus saying, neither, neither one. He's simply saying that everything that happens is meant to be for the glory of God. And I'll, I'll talk more about that in a minute. So third, uh, how does he show his pleasure to us then? And, and the, the answer is by being in his presence, by living in his presence, by showing true obedience to him. By showing obedience, it shows that we're, we're living in his will. Psalm 1611 says, that will make known to me the path of life. And in thy presence is fullness of joy. So God's ultimate gift to us, if we're pursuing him, loving him, being obedient to him is a deeper relationship with himself, right? It's intimacy with God. So he allows things to happen in our life. He allows storms in our life so we can know him and see him at a deeper level. His desire for every believer is to grow in faith and become more like him every day. To become more like Jesus, that's what it's all about. So take heart when you're going through a difficult time because God shows his love to you not by always sparing you from the difficult season but by walking with you through it and by glorifying himself through your trial and bringing you joy in the process so to answer the question why do bad things happen to good people or why did bad things happen period it's really it's it, it's i think it's three things it's either one your sin right two somebody else's sin or 
could fall in the third category. It's just the fact that, you know what? We're in a fallen, sin-cursed world, and sin happens. Bad things happen. I, it, that, that's the reason. And sometimes, it, you know, I, I was talking with Tim before it started, and we were, we were just talking about how many times I, it's the stalemates people, this question, and they don't want to pursue God. They don't want to follow him. Sometimes we overthink it. Oh, there's this group called Mensa, the top, it's like IQ, the top 2% in IQ in the world, you know. And I heard this. This is not, I didn't think of it, but, but it, it serves a point. Uh, it, so there's a Mensa, there's a group, and they have a break. They're at a convention, and they're eating lunch. They're sitting down at a table at a restaurant, and they notice that the salt and pepper, they're looking at it, and they notice that the salt is in the pepper container, and the pepper's in the salt container. They said, ah, let's tell you what, let's put our heads together, and let's, let's try to figure this out. Let's try to get the contents of the one into the other the pepper into the salt with just using what we have here at this table and so they're thinking about it and here's the young waiter comes up oh dudes i'm sorry he takes the cap off puts the salt cap on the pepper put the pepper cap on the salt and walks away and sometimes we just overthink things sometimes it's just it's simple it's simple so don't allow overthinking to keep you from a relationship with the lord amen so why does God allow suffering? Second question. First, none of us, like I said, we're, none of us are immune from suffering. The Bible makes it absolutely clear that the follower of, of Christ will endure suffering. But, but it's always with a purpose. Suffering is always with a purpose. Ultimately, the main reason he uses suffering and allows us to go through difficult times is to make him, to make us more like him. And he could use that, those times to correct us too, right? I mean, remember, we're a, child, we're a child of God by faith, and he'll correct us because he loves us, and he always wants us to run to him for help. In Hebrews 12, 5 through 11, that makes this point clearly. Let me read that. Hebrews 12, 5 through 11. 5, it says, And you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons, for what son is there whom the father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we have earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they discipline us for a short time, as seem, seems best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Now, I don't like to be disciplined. I'm sure none of you do either, but he knows just what it takes. He knows just what it takes for us to become like him. And he's usually going to answer your prayer, your crisis, your prayer to get out of the crisis in one of two ways, right? He's either going to take it away. He's going to eliminate it. If you're sick, he's going to heal you. And that happens. Or two, he's going to be with you through it. And a lot of times he's... He's going to walk with you through the crisis. 
Last thing Matthew said in Matthew 28, 20, he recorded that Jesus said, I'll always be with you. I'll be with you to the ends of the earth. That's a promise. He's always going to be with us. Uh, one of my favorite stories in the Bible, there's a few, but one is that uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego with the furnace and King Nebuchadnezzar. Um, I mean, they were flourishing in that, in that land, and, and, but yet they didn't bow down. You know the story. They were thrown into the fire, the furnace. Uh, they were bound up. They were tied up and thrown in there. And then King Nebuchadnezzar's look, and he sees, sees a fourth person. And they're, and they're walking around. And, and the writer, they chose to, to say that, you know, they, they weren't bound up anymore. They were walking around. And it's interesting that that, that stood out to me when I, not when I first read it, but after a while, over the years, I really thought what's well, interesting that they made that a point to show that they weren't, they were free. They weren't bound up. They had Jesus with them. He was with them through the trial. And I'm just thinking today, how, you know, in this, in this world facing so much anxiety and to see somebody go through a crisis, a storm, but there's a freedom there. They're walking around there at peace because they know that Jesus is with them. And, and to demonstrate that to the world is so important. He knows exactly what it takes for us, for us to reflect him to a lost world. And we go through trials, our faith grows, and our relationship with him becomes stronger. So why does he allow suffering to continue? Why does he allow suffering to continue? Before answering that, it's in, I think it's important to understand that, and, and a lot of people debate over this, but, but God is completely sovereign, right? He is sovereign. He is all powerful. He, he's in control. But at the same time that he's completely sovereign, he's, he's good. He's supremely good 100% of the time. So if you have a God that is all-powerful and he's 100% good, but we still have to factor in the fact that evil exists, and that can only mean one thing. That means that he's a redemptive God, right? He's redemptive. I mean, he, he wants to save you from sin, redemptive, saved from error, saved from sin. And that's what he uses uh, the evil for and bad things for ultimately he allows us to continue he allows it to continue because he is not willing that any should perish that we should all come to repentance he's given man a chance to repent to come to jesus for salvation that's 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 why he allows it to continue and also during the suffering during the sickness he's getting the glory so he he's becoming Glorified. Let me ask you a question. Is God made more glorious or less glorious because evil exists? I mean, he's, he's, he's always glorious, but in our minds, if we see a God that overcomes evil, he, he's made more glorious. Uh, we hear stories after stories of this happening, but the Lord saved me from this and, and healed me, and, and, and he's getting the glory. Uh, Job one twenty one. It's not up there, but it says, um, uh, it says, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And I think so many times you hear a lot of pastors, and just people in general, I guess, say the first half, the Lord gives, ah, blessed be your name, hallelujah, and that's it. But, but, but that verse is, is, is so, so good because it kind of spells out what our reaction, our response should be in all situations. The Lord gives. And the Lord takes away. 
Lord, blessed be your name. Lord, I, I don't understand it. I don't know why this is happening. But I thank you for it. I give you the glory. Not thank you so much for it, but, but knowing, thanking him, because you know that he's going to use it for your, your best, your good. And he's going to get the glory. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be your name. Remember, we reap for eternity what we sow on earth. It's not the final resting place. Earth is not. <clears throat> it's basically a season of testing. Amen. Then in the end, we're all going to be held accountable to how we respond during our difficult moments in life. And that brings us to the last question. What should our response be when, we, when we're going through the storm? What should our response be? I kind of already touched on it, actually, but, but it's praise, it's thanksgiving, it's thanking him. It's to demonstrate the fruits of the Spirit, right? Love, peace, joy, kindness, patience, gentleness. Um, there's so, so, much, so many things happening out there. Display and demonstrate the fruits of the Spirit. And also he wants us to encourage others, doesn't he? Going through difficult times prepares us so that we can help others to go through those times. Um, uh, you, know, my, you know, after my wife passed, I mean, it was a rough time, but then it seemed like out of the, you know, different situation would come out of the woodwork with people losing someone, and I could see where all of a sudden I'm placed in a situation to talk with them about, about other things, about what's happened. He wants us to encourage others. He wants us to demonstrate hope, to demonstrate hope while we're going through trials. I want to read Romans 8, 24 through 28 for you. It kind of demonstrates that too. For in hope we have been saved, but hope is, that is seen is not hope, for why does one also hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see with perseverance when we wait eagerly for it, and in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And I love this verse. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, and to those who are called according to his purpose. He works all things together for good. And knowing that, knowing that, it, well, that's what brings joy. Joy. Paul was joyful. It had nothing to do with his circumstances. He was in prison, right? He was, he was tied up in shackles. He was singing. He was joyful while in prison. And there's something about to see someone joyful and at peace in a tough situation. Uh, you know, folks that are passing away. I mean, the few, uh, few weeks before, I mean, there's some that are just show so much joy, you just want to be around them. Uh, but yet they're in pain, and but there's, there's a joy there. So many times our joy is tied to our perfect circumstances. I guess that's why we don't see it a whole lot. But for the believer, joy should always exists because he set us free. And I'm not talking about happiness. Um, I mean, happiness comes and, comes and goes. Uh, if Lisa comes in here unhappy, if I give her $3 million and said, here, why don't you get yourself a bite to eat, she's going to be happy. 
I mean, it, it's up and down. It, it comes and goes. But joy is, is, is there always. And he wants us to trust. He wants us to trust him. Trust. We don't understand. But, Lord, I don't, I, but I trust you. There's this poem that I've heard, I've, and I, I remember, I've heard it a long time ago, and I've said it before, but it says, trust me, and I won't let you down. Trust me, and I'll cause you to abound. Trust me, and my will you'll surely know. Trust me, and I'll lead you all the way you go. He wants us to trust him. He wants us to trust him. Even when it doesn't make sense. And he wants, a, he wants to, us to give him the problem. I know sometimes with me, I, I don't quickly run to him. You know, I want to solve it myself, you know, self-sufficiency. I call it the sin of self-sufficiency. But he wants it. He wants to take care of the problem. And I heard this illustration once. I thought it was pretty good. It's a football analogy. Uh, we got a lot of football fans in here. But, okay, think of this. Think when the quarterback, he, he gets the ball. And he's going back. And he's, he has the ball. And you've got 11 guys chasing him. And they, they're, they're after him, and he's pretty anxious. He's feeling ugh, not good. But as soon as he gives that ball off to the halfback, a shift takes place. They enemy that now it's going after the halfback because he doesn't have the problem anymore. And it's kind of like that with us. The Lord wants us to give him the ball. The Lord wants us to give our problems and our situations to him. And so many times we want to do it, we want to hang on to it. But as soon as you do, it says, Lord God, I'm in the palm of your hand. I don't understand it, but I give it to you. That is, that is, that's key. You see, it's better to suffer now in pursuit of truth and a relationship with the Lord than to use the issue of suffering as an excuse for rejecting Jesus and having to spend eternity in hell away from his presence. And so many times this issue of suffering is keeping people from following him. Not only non-Christians, but it's, it's a stumbling block for even a lot of Christians because they just can't believe one thing after another after another. But just know that, that it's for your best good, even though we don't understand it. And that's where tr uh, trust and that's where faith comes in. Isaiah 55, 6 through 9 says this. It says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord, and he will have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Remember, when you feel life is out of control, know that you're not wandering aimlessly but you're being divinely directed whether you feel it or not that's the truth he has a plan for your life and storms are part of it so that's it he has a plan for your life and storms are part of it so as i close i i'd like to just pray uh pray For all of us and if you have if you're going through a storm you can you can you can come up here going through trials or if you don't know the Lord 
I'd like to pray for you because I, I don't want this issue to be a stumbling block. It's in his plan. Suffering's part of it. We're all going to go through it. But be encouraged. Be hopeful. Because he has you where he wants you. He has you in the palm of his hand. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you. I thank you that you're in control of our lives. I thank you that nothing catches you by surprise. You know us. And you love us. And Lord, we know as we go through trials, as we go through different difficult seasons of our life, we know that ultimately it's going to make us more like you and it's going to bring us closer to you. And we know that we're going to have a deeper relationship with you. So Lord, help us. Help us that when we go through these difficult times that we are able to display you and show peace demonstrate peace, demonstrate joy to a world that's dying, to a world that's confused and anxious. These last days, wrong will be right and right will be wrong, and we're seeing it play, played out right in front of us. And there's a lot of anxiety, but Lord, help us to exhibit the peace that you give us. That can only come from you, Father. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. Thank you for dying on the cross for us. We thank you for to us, your son. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Gospel House podcast. We pray that you were pointed to Jesus and will apply what you learn to look more like him each and every day. If you found today's message impactful, do us a favor and hit the follow button. Leave us a rating and write up a review to help others find our podcast. You can also help us by sharing the podcast so that together we can show the world that the gospel of Jesus Christ is enough. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Head to our website, www.thegospel.house connect, fill out the form, and someone from our Gospel House family will connect with you. God bless you, and remember, the gospel of Jesus Christ is always enough.